Hello, beautiful people. My name is Mitchell, and this is the Back to the Present podcast, where I sit down and discuss this roller coaster we call life with people of all different smells and smiles. On today's episode of the podcast, we have Kyle Stubbs. Kyle leads first responders and veterans in a proactive, holistic, and no bullshit approach to health and wellness. Welcome, Kyle. How's life? Oh, life is pretty amazing, Mitchell. How about you? Yeah, as we were just talking then, life's life's good. I'm um, I'm enjoying it. I'm, it's always hard for me to not enjoy it, even though I do enjoy life uh, on a broader scope. But when I'm sitting down to do this kind of stuff, have conversations with people like yourself, I am yeah, yeah I'm living the dream. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to argue, hard to argue with the ups and downs. Right? If you, if you resist the ups and downs, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's when it becomes a bit of a struggle. When, yeah. Whenever there's a small amount of resistance, the, the struggle only, gro- only grows. But um, before we get, before we get too deep, Carl, <laughs> straight <laughs> up that, um, just explain to everybody who Carl Stubbs is, uh, how you got where you are, please and what you're doing with yourself nowadays yeah so uh i'm a, a husband father of two little girls i got a eight-year-old and a four-year-old and current i'm a first responder I used to be a paramedic and a firefighter now i'm still currently a police officer up here in canada on vancouver island uh, aside from doing this i'm also a, a health and wellness and mindset coach for first responders so i'm uh, how I got to that point, like most guys, started started working as hard as I could, started to build a build a family, get married, all these kind of things, and found myself in a spot that I was your your stereotypical mid twenties, late twenty year old male who was was all all go and and just not leave, not leaving anything else for for me or my or my family, so. That came to a, a head when my wife called me out on that one day and we had the awkward conversation of something's got to change here. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're numb. You're, you're shut off. What's going on? She asked me her exact words were if, if I even knew how to feel were the words that she said to me. And that was like the, the biggest gut punch that you could possibly get because hmm. me being a first responder at that time, working in a really busy place, kicking ass at work thinking that I I was I was I was on top of my game to be able to to have the person closest to you see through that and be able to call you out on it was uh was impactful it was huge so from there I went on a quite a journey self-development journey like we all do at some point in our lives and I found a lot of things that really really worked and found a lot of things that didn't really work for me so much but some of the things that landed the most was connection connection with other guys seeing that i wasn't the only person that was in that stuck spot and then also starting to focus on the mindset side of things and realizing how poor of a mindset i had i was resilient as anything i could you could put me in the worst situation and i'd thrive through it but once once things calm down, that's when that mindset stuff starts to really show up. That's when the holes in your game start to show up. Is when things are all calm. How's your how's how's your self talk? How's your 
how's your judgment of others of yourself right so that's what got me to where i am now i started a program a year and a half ago and i've run just over 100 people through it all together and that's a, a 10 week long program for first responders primarily for men we cover everything from awareness all the way through to relationship and stress defense and all these kind of things with a heavy heavy focus on our breath as well yeah yeah nice Carl. i appreciate that um as i said there's there's there's, there's quite a few things that i want to touch on um the i am not a first responder so i don't know how it feels to build the resilience you're talking about um in in the example you're talking about anyway and um from the outside looking in with veterans and first responders as you said they you learn to numb out um and become resilient and you know to a certain extent extent disconnect and you know there's we can touch on maybe why that is though i think a lot of it's got to do with you know survival and all those other these other kind of things um, and maybe you can touch on it but what i'm interested in is exactly what you're doing and teaching people that there is another way of doing it as in the job without numbing out even though i can't imagine how hard it would be seeing things that you've seen and other people have seen and still being um you know as open and you know i'm i'm a pretty somewhat an uh, emotional empathetic person like i would i would i would i know i would struggle in your situation and in other people's situations however I, I do truly believe it's important to have that type of balance um can you speak on that a little bit absolutely and to to put it out there at first to 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 be able to to do the the kind of work that first responders do and veterans do and to do it in a way that is really connected and is is vulnerable on both sides whether you're on the job or off the job is really really hard it it it, it makes it difficult to not be able to have that wall to put that wall up yeah to hide behind that wall it's a challenge but if you want to be able to enjoy the heck out of both sides whether it's on the job or off the job it's got to be there that transparency has to be there and it's it's something that doesn't come naturally for sure especially for guys yeah. we like to we like to be able to shut off and say no we're good we're fine which is finds the the worst four letter word there is out there in my mind in the english language at least anybody bad. that says they're fine is that's the that's the first red flag most of the time <laughs> there's always there's something else underneath that yeah but yeah to be able to build that resiliency it, it comes from a willingness to do so in my mind so it's it's really easy to sit on the sidelines and just accept that your life is okay yeah or yeah life's a struggle but I'm going to ride it out and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to struggle 
takes a lot to be able to step into that quote unquote arena and start to do the work on yourself and start to build that resiliency up, start to gain some tools to build that resiliency so that you can start to do, enjoy both sides of it, right? You're not giving it everything at work and then just a shadow of yourself at home or vice versa, because we'll see it both ways. Yeah. Good explanation. And and again, because I'm not, not used to it, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put myself into that situation. Do you think that, um, obviously we want to be ourselves, our true selves at all, at all times. And I hear exactly what you're saying. And so we don't want to be anywhere, anyone that we're not when we're at home and we don't want to be anyone that we're not when we're at work, but there, there's a difference in the environment and the situation. So it's not about putting on a different, on a different mask, though. I do think it is coming back to what you're saying and what I said before mm-hmm. about the, at the, about the balance. Do you, what, what do you find most challenging for people to be able to switch between these two? Because, you know, for me, I'm thinking like, doing the uh, job of a police officer and some of the stuff you have to go through and then coming home and like us and having two little girls and sitting down yeah. <laughs> reading a book and playing and sharing their emotions like this is just it's literally it feels like two opposite ends of the spectrum and i'm like like where do you where do you start <laughs> it really is both it is complete opposite ends like how do you go from that whatever the the horrific car accident scene or the overdose or whatever you've gone to and then sometimes less than sometimes two hours later you're at home reading a bedtime story to your four-year-old yeah like that's a it's hard to find more of a polarity out there than something like that and it's it's a unique opportunity when you when you can experience both those things and you there there will be things that you experience in the, the first responder world in any of our lives regardless if you're in that kind of a position yeah where it's going to be really hard where it's going to be really uncomfortable i like to to preface it or compare a lot of these things a lot of these tools that we use both on the job and off the job to to a relationship how do you how do you work through how do what tools do you have at your disposal to work through that super difficult conversation that you have to have with your spouse yeah that you don't want to have that you have resistance to very similar to that really hard conversation you might have to have at work with somebody mm-hmm. or on scene of somebody telling somebody that their loved one just passed away some of those are that's one of the the most the heaviest things we experience in our, in our job is giving that, that next of kin notification to somebody that they're whatever their, their son, their daughter, their spouse just died. Yeah. How do we, what tools do we have at our disposal to have that conversation? We can also use those tools at home. That's the, that's the beauty of it. So if you want to, if you want to feel more into that situation, half the time when we're when we're in that spot of of resistance like we don't want to have it we're not breathing that's 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 number one yeah our breath is gone our breath is trapped up in the chest somewhere or even even higher up in our throat okay so that's gone once that once we get the breath back then we can start to process things we can start to work through things clearly and we start to things start to make a lot more sense we get that space and that clarity to be able to to do whatever we have to do 
whether it's driving to a really important call for service of some kind, we can switch our breathing on the way, drop our breathing to, to low and slow. Same thing if we're at home and the kids are losing their mind and you're at the at the dinner table listening to them slam doors or freak out and, and you're at that point of like, okay, yeah, I'm getting close. I'm going to snap. <laughs> what, what am I going to do here? One, your breath is gone. Switch that breath. And what, what other tools do we have? How can we move some of that energy out of us so that we can actually come back and and then engage with our kids in a way that is going to be constructive rather than destructive. Yeah. Same thing. They're It's the same tools. They're just in very, very different circumstances. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. I, I like the similarities that you pointed out there because even though the environment's different, it's we are the common denominator in those environments. So Yeah, it's not the emergency that or the situation that yeah. is the stressor. It's our reaction to that situation that that's the stressor, right? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, a, lo a lot of this ties back and can be, um, you know, connected to suppressing feelings. And, uh, you know, th these days, uh, I feel like we're turning the corner as a collective and, you know, I, I, I feel like it's less, there's less stigma ar around um, being able to express those feelings in the work that you do. And again, this doesn't even necessarily, it's not, a, I don't believe this is going to be related to first responders and whatnot that you're talking about, because this is, this is everybody. What, what, um, what advice do you often like to give people who you feel are suppressing those feelings and um, maybe they're, you know, they're just not used to feeling them? Mm-hmm. The best way that that I had ever experienced that, because that was me, that mm. that is the picture perfect example of who I was at one point in my life. The, me too. <laughs> I was, yeah. I and my wife was bang on when she said that asked me if I even knew how to feel. Because looking back on it, I I didn't know how to feel. I was always riding that middle ground somehow. Like peaks and valleys were there, but I didn't really experience them. And, and what I like to, or what was told to me was the simple question of like, what do you not, not how do you feel? Don't describe what you feel, but how, how, or sorry, what are you feeling? Like, what is, what is going on in your, in your body at that moment? So if I've never shared anything before, if I've never talked about how I'm really frustrated in my relationship or whatever it might be. It's going to be really hard for me to find the words to describe that. And I'm going to use a ton of words to attempt to describe it as opposed to saying like, yeah, when you asked me about my marriage, I felt really tight in my chest. Yeah. And I kind of had this weird feeling up in my throat. Awesome. Okay. Let's, let's work with that. Have you ever felt that before? Where, where does that feeling, does that, does that feeling feel familiar to you? And we can start getting the ball rolling that way. But to be able to connect ourselves back to our bodies, so important. And it's something that is so lost, especially I, I tie a lot of things back into to the male side of society, but also in that, especially in the first responder community, our disconnection from our bodies is huge. Mm. And if we can get to the point where we can start to associate the feeling or emotion 
to an actual physical sensation in our body, then we can we can start naming things really easy and we can start to communicate those things really easy. Yeah. So when I come home from work and I've seen some grisly stuff that day, and my wife asks, Oh, how you doing? You seem a little seem a little down. I don't have to go into detail of, yeah, I saw this this really gross car accident and there was this whole family involved in it and it was horrific. And go into this details and story about what happened. I can say, yeah, I'd, it was a tough day. Uh, I'm feeling a little bit like I got punched in the gut and just, I don't have a ton of energy. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That opens the door for her, right? I didn't just shut her down by saying, I feel fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I didn't have to go into the whole story about what actually happened. That's the important side too. Yeah, I like that. Man. I like that for a number of reasons. One, it's simple. Two, it's, um, as you said, connecting yourself back to yourself. Uh, and just the simpleness, the simplistic nature of just where is it rather than trying because, you know, it, it is sometimes hard to explain any type of emotion especially well any any emotion really like sometimes we're better at it than others but i do feel like when that emotion is um pretty strong it's even more um difficult to explain it so i i i know exactly what you're saying because just by sort of um acknowledging where it is and then just you know giving voice to it exactly what you just said and then i suppose once you've sort of acknowledged what it is and how you're feeling then maybe it's a little bit easier to articulate if 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 necessary you know but yeah. i mean at least starting with that is is a point of making it simple also like i kind of like i already wrote it down but the the i'm fine it's just it's such a um it's exactly what you said. Like, I, I can't help but think and reminisce all the times I've said I'm fine and then I'm not actually fine. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. now it's like, I kind of already, you know, you know, when you say when you're not actually fine. Um, but I suppose thinking about it now, the next time I say it, I'm going to be a lot more cautious of it. Not to say that every time I say I'm fine, I'm, I'm not fine. You know, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. But, but at least it's like, it's almost like a yeah, a little quick little cheat cheat code, isn't it? I'm fine. Oh, hold on a second. Like, you know what I mean? You may not even have to then tell the person that you're not fine, but at least it's an opportunity for you to go, am I actually fine here? Yeah. Yeah. To be able to be like, oh, that was a quick response. Yeah. What was, what was in there? There's something else behind that. Yeah. And then it might be whatever you're, maybe you're stressed about something or whatever it could be. Yeah. And it's not. By no means do I do I advocate absolutely fully unloading your emotional state on every single person that asks you how you're doing. <laughs> yeah, but, but what's wrong with when somebody asks you how you're doing and you're just like, man, I'm doing really good. I had a, I had a great weekend with the family. Feel super rejuvenated. Mm. Yeah, or just being like, yeah, I haven't really been sleeping that great. A little dragging my ass a bit today. Yeah. Yeah, because like, people want to. People want to. No doubt, there's more to this, but people probably want to hear that you are fine. Because if you're not fine, there's more to it. Depending on the person and the situation and stuff like that, they might not actually really be. They might be asking how you are, but they're not really because it's just not the norm. They're not 
ready in any way at all for you go no i'm actually not fine this is happening yeah i didn't, I didn't sign up for this conversation <laughs> that's not what I... <laughs> yeah like oh gosh oh no 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 no. let's just say you're fine okay. yeah okay. no but it's... i was i was told that the whole the fine reaction thing and i got called out on that as well as when uh our youngest daughter was she was born at 32 weeks so quite premature and quite small and she spent a significant amount of time in the NICU and uh when she got released they found a she got sent back to the hospital really quick with a she had a really massive lump on her spine that they found and she had to have a few neurosurgeries and we were basically living in the hospital for a few months and it was really 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 hard for a multitude of reasons both because we thought we were going to lose Maddie that she wouldn't survive this and then also just the stress on the relationship not been having to take turns at the hospital and everything, but I was lucky enough at that point to have done some, some men's group work. So I had this kick-ass group of guys that were people that I I could communicate with on a deeper level than just whatever my buddies from work or even my family for that matter. Yeah. yeah. And I had this one, one guy in the group and he, he called me out on and he said, you keep saying that you're fine. It's when was the last time you actually told somebody how you were doing? Yeah, wow. Uh, I don't know, really. Yeah. <laughs> and I was able to talk to him, and then he challenged me that the next person that comes in that asks you how you're doing, tell them. Yeah, tell them that you're struggling right now, or tell them that it's this is this is a really tough thing that you're going through. So it took. I was all anxious for somebody to come in there. And like any guy, I get a challenge. I get excited about it. So I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I'll do this right on. So I'm sitting in the hospital room for uh, probably six hours. A few people came in. Nobody asked me how I was doing. I was was a bit rude. (laughs) Nobody really cares. Uh, And then one nurse came in and she asked me how I was doing. And I said, honestly, not that great. Pretty stressed out about this whole thing. I don't know if she's going to, when she's going to get out of here or how things are going and it's been really hard on on the marriage and and then she came back and she didn't go into a bunch of she didn't wasn't padding my my victim mentality or anything like that she just said yeah that i can imagine it's got to be real hard in here mm-hmm. and then she's like i'm not really having the greatest shift myself i showed up late for work uh, i've been run off my feet the whole time and i'm just super stressed so yeah. And we had this really cool, really open, really connected conversation back and forth. It only lasted five minutes, yeah. but it was a deeper connection than I'd had with people that I had talked to for hours mm. before then, just because I was able to, to let go of that, that shield a little bit that by hiding behind being fine. Yeah. It's as you are saying that, I, I remember that it's also important um, to realize that even if someone were to say that you're not fine, it's not necessarily you. It's not necessarily your job to fix the situation or even offer. Like sometimes there's going to be instances where you don't even need to offer advice, and it's literally just oh. listen to this person tell you why they're not fine, you know. And and then maybe yeah. which is sort of sort of what you're saying with the nurse, and then maybe they express, you know, oh well, this he's been vulnerable and comfortable enough to tell me how he's feeling. I'll just share how I'm feeling as opposed to, oh, well, you know, fix it. And maybe not like, because sometimes it could be when we're trying to fix something, it's, it's hard to really listen to everything they're saying and, and 
allow that open two-way communication if we if we go ahead and try to assume we know what is right for that other person oh hugely that's a, a a beautiful point and when we're trying to fix things we're we're not waiting we're not listening to yeah to receive what they're saying we're listening to talk like yeah. we're listening to actually say something right away and that's we talked earlier in the conversation about the the difference between leaving like that that uniform job and then coming home yeah and in that uniform job we're trying to fix stuff all the time we're trying to people are calling us because they have a problem going on so we come to help them fix that problem mm-hmm. and letting that go when we get home is a huge one and guys especially keep harping on this but we're we've had it since we were kids right like what do we see our dads do growing up we see them fixing things they're around the house they're fixing stuff or whatever what do we see on tv we see the token guy that's fixing things or any of the host host development shows or anything like that we're all fixing things are always guys and we take that mentality into everything yeah and one of the most important things we can learn is oh there's a lot of stuff going on in our lives it's not our job to fix it yeah it's our job to observe it and be there for it, but we're not there to fix it. If you go into trying to fix every single one of your spouse's problems, you're in you're in for a world of hurt. It's not going to work. One, <laughs> newsflash, and two, a lot of things the other person doesn't need fixing. Yeah, they just need to they just need to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. And and from from my experience with um, partners, but but also friends and anyone really, you know, if if they really I've noticed this later, you know, if they really want your advice, they'll ask for it. You know, yeah. what, what do you yeah. think I should do? Or, you know what I mean? Or, or maybe they're a little scared and I use myself as an example, because I just assume maybe we are a little scared in asking for help, but you kind of know in the way, in the tone and the words they're using that they're actually asking. And then other times they're just not. Yeah. I think there's a lot there. Your, your reflection on that is, brought something to light for me where it's quite a bit of the hesit the hesitancy in people to to actually ask how people are doing or to have that response from them other than I'm fine is the expectation on them that they're they're somewhat responsible to try and fix whatever's yeah. going on. Yeah, sure. So if we can get past that, it opens up a, a whole world of options for us. Yeah, I agree. It's it's, it's something uh yeah as as parents as well, you know, um it's 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 hard. I mean, we're guys, so it's 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 exactly what you were saying before. And we've both got two little girls, so it's it's really hard sometimes to not want to fix it because you know we're um, from an evolutionary standpoint, biological, all this kind of stuff. We are like we are the protector, and once upon a time, like that meant potentially um, life or death. So it's 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 for me anyway. It's kind of recognizing. The difference between the two and it's 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 hard it's a hard balance you know because you don't want to um you don't want to fix everything and, and it's, it's it's hard because there's, there's often not a right and a wrong way and you, you're trying to let these little people learn for themselves but you're also trying to not you know disconnect from the the situation and also sort of just be with them when they needed to be there and it's a, i don't know about you but it's it's a it's a constant balance and it's, it's i mean it's a lot of fun sometimes yeah. Sometimes you feel like you've got it wrong and you should have fixed something. And then other times you fix something, you're like, oh, I probably didn't need to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, learning, we're learning from the experience. And 
and all the um, mistakes and whatnot that we, we make over time, I suppose. Well, and that's like trying to, how do you fix your five-year-old's freak out about that the toast had a burnt edge on it or <laughs> whatever it was, right? There's some, and I, what you said there are inherent kind of primal protector fixer side of us wants to take over and be like, it's not that bad, whatever, get over it, stop <laughs> it. Instead of just being like, okay, there's obviously quite a bit more here than the burnt toast it's 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 never the best cumulative from a bad sleep and maybe you had ice cream that afternoon or whatever something in there yeah so why can't i just hang out with you for a few minutes and let you be upset yeah for sure it's, it's like, yeah exactly it's never about the, it's never about the burnt toast and it's never even about the burnt toast in, in my opinion with adults either you know yeah, the no. thing that we the thing that triggers us, the thing that cracks us, the things that, you know, makes us act X, Y, and Z. If you've, if you're aware of it, you take the time to go back and reflect on it. It's got nothing to do with the burnt dust. It's like, no. there's no. no, it's like literally nothing to do with it at all. I don't get about burnt toast, you know what I mean? But they, <laughs> oh yeah, no, hold on a second. Yeah. Like you said, in instances of an adult, it's all, oh, this might've happened at work or this particular situation happened and all of a sudden, you know, like a bit of a volcano we we explode yeah. um yeah I, I think it's i think it is truly important to remember that because like with with ourselves but also with children um because if we get caught in thinking that it is about the and i keep using the burnt toast example we kept caught in thinking that it is the burnt toast you know we might get in a way it's, it's a metaphor because we might get caught in thinking that if we just make a new piece of toast that isn't burnt or cut off the burnt section of the toast, that everything's okay. But really, really there was, there was a little bit more to it, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. You're putting out all these little spot fires all over the place when the big one is yeah. just sitting there. Right. Yeah. There's a part that you mentioned there, especially when it comes to our little girls and you talked about the being the protector and things there. One of the, the biggest parts and most important parts I think we can do as men of, fathers of little girls is in embrace that protector role, but embrace the safety side of it. Mm. Making sure that we demonstrate what it is to feel safe. Yeah. From that person, right. It's easy to be a protector from that physical standpoint. Yeah. From being the badass, from being whatever the guy that will break through the door to get to your, your loved one or those that need help. Yeah. But can you also be the one that when they are crying because of the burnt toast, yeah. Can they feel safe in that moment at the same time? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. hundred percent agree. There's uh there's a lot of lot of power in that. I know. You know, it's um it's so true. Um I know you're a a, a Czechy, Paul Czech fan. Um mm -hmm. no doubt that that um that uh knowledge plays a significant role in, in what you do um with with coaching but also with yourself i've spoken about this multiple times it's just it's just an it's an interest of mine um because i see the value in it um so you don't have to touch on it too much maybe in a hundred words or less if you can uh explain for a 12 year old exactly what those four doxes are but i'm more interested in some of the areas you've found personally given your experience and your position as a first responder and stuff like that, a few things that you have found to be 
really helpful for you like now and recently yeah 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 i love the well four doctors is arguably one of my favorite check principles that there is because it's just talk about simple talk about easy to grasp uh dr happy movement quiet and diet right so i'm trying to visit those doctors once a day is 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 what makes our our holistic lifestyle what what makes us be able to to flow right and quite often when we look at our lives when things aren't in flow one of those four things is lacking in there and there's experts in all these different things which is the beauty of it you can if you're really lacking on the diet side you can go down one heck of a million rabbit holes to go down that and try to and work out what works for you and whatnot but the coolest thing about that principle and how it relates to to first responders is to be able to take it back to the basics like if you had a really hard block of shifts and you wake up on that first day and you don't feel 100 percent, you're still carrying a lot of that weight whether it's thinking about the the crappy calls that you went to or it's just just physically tired or emotionally tired take it back to the bare minimum okay how do i start this day i'm going to start it with a focus that i i invest in one of those four things or each of those four things once a day today to get your to get your feedback under you to get started again and a another beautiful check principle that that i've come to really embrace especially in the last three years or so is the the notion of working in versus working out yeah and when when's the time like if i see it in the gym all the time when you're sitting there about to do a squat or something and you're you're yawning no now's not the time to do that now is now's the time to to do something else now's the time to work in a little bit versus work out our nervous systems in this job especially are fried a lot of the time it's a constant input even in a slow detachment or a slow station it's still a constant input of stuff going on all the time even just from monitoring a radio and driving around doing follow-ups or simple stuff let alone the the really big heavy stuff and to be able to to realize when okay it's not the time to not the time for that that workout of the day or whatever it is now's the time to to maybe close my eyes listen to listen to a meditation or to go for a, a really slow walk and just breathe through my nose yeah uh I, I love working in as well and um you know i, I think through through 10 years of beating my body into the ground it took me 10 years to realize the power of it and so i'm yeah. a, I'm an advocate um and i have you know there's for, for me anyway it's it's a bit of it's taken like i said plus 10 years to recognize when it is that i need this um working in um as opposed to working out and, and sometimes just as an example there's a question coming but it's sometimes as an example even if i get to the gym and i, and I start working out or whatever it is and i don't I'm not feel on that 100 percent, i'm like oh yeah hold on a second this is not this is not a day for this sometimes i might even just like lift really light weights i'll even follow the program that i'm following i'll just lift really light weights i'll lift less sets yeah. and i'll yeah. be in less time and um and then I actually, it's, it's, I turn that into my working out into a working in 
and I feel freaking amazing after it because I haven't <laughs> maxed out on the back, back squat or the deadlift or something. So ah. it's, it's funny because, um, you know, I wouldn't, I'm not as strong as I've been in the past, but having the recognition to do exactly what I said for that example anyway, like I actually feel throughout the rest of the day and just um, holistically, I suppose, I feel I just feel a lot better, you know. Like yeah. the, the joints aren't as sore. Um, I'm always motivated to keep doing certain things. And I don't look. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't get this right all the time. And through practice, it's become a little bit easier. Um, is there some working in principles like that? That, that example that I've given um, that you find personally um, to be sort of beneficial? Yeah. One of them, I actually, I experienced one last night where it's listening to that voice mm. from, from yourself of being like, eh, may not be the time. And I've, I've been really lately, I've been really into, to rucking. So to putting a backpack on and sticking 60 pounds in it and, and going for a good hike. Yep. And I was about halfway through this one that I normally do last night on the really steep trail, really tough. And I'd, I just got off a block of shifts where I didn't sleep very well after it. So I know that I'm a little bit sleep deprived. I can feel it throughout the day, but I got a chance to to go on this awesome hike. So, okay. I got up to both the halfway point where it gets super steep for a long ways. And it's, it's a push to get up to the next section there. And I had that little mental battle for a little bit of like, okay. I, I know I don't feel, I know my body doesn't feel great right now, but mentally I'm ready to do it. Mentally, I'm, I have to talk myself out of doing it mentally, which yeah. is the tricky part. That's the part that we have to start to pay attention to because mentally I'll go up and I'll go up there until I have to get airlifted out of there. I'll keep going. I won't stop, but I've, I've been down that road and I know what that leads to. That leads to that just flat, lifeless guy that lives in the valley the whole time. Yeah. As opposed to that person that can come home after it and still be up and down and still be fully present with my family and be wherever. Mm. Right. So being able to know that saying sometimes saying no to that that big push doesn't mean doesn't mean you're weak. Doesn't mean you're doesn't mean you're soft. Yeah. And getting over that ego side of that is so important and really difficult to do. Yeah. Because there was a time not that long ago where I would have said, ah, screw this, let's go. And that's when you get hurt. That's when you get burnt out. That's when you, that's when you can't maintain that pace. Yeah. It's a, I don't want to say battle, but for lack of a better word, it's a constant battle because like you said, um, there's, I think Joe Rogan calls it the inner bitch. He's inner bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Look, it's the thing for me is like, you're right because it's, it's sometimes it's hard to discern between the two because sometimes where, We've got a, well, I believe anyway, you know what I mean? You don't want to let that in a, I'm using his term, that in a bitch control you regularly. But you've also got to realize that sometimes, um, and maybe that's not the case, case for Joe, you know, but, but sometimes there is a lot of value in actually listening to it because yeah, it's it's important. And it's I, know, I relate ex- heavily with what you said because it's a lot harder for me personally actually slow down and knock it back a few gears 
than mm. push. But yes. a lot of people actually find it more yes. difficult to push to that fifth and sixth gear, whereas for, for whatever reason, like, that's I'm I'm aiming there. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, totally. I, I love you and me both. struggle, you know. I, I love getting there where I feel like that's just that. It, there's probably more to that from a psychological point of view, but like to be perfectly honest, at the end of the day, I just friggin' enjoy it. Like I, I love, yeah. love the challenge. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that inner bitch principle. Um, I do think, and it's probably only through practice, and it's it's very personalised uh, in the ability to listen to both sides of that and and truly tune into exactly what it is you need that day because maybe maybe there is sometimes that there is a situation where you don't need to listen to it you know and it's 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 a hard one isn't it it's, it's, yeah it's- no 100 percent. it's almost like you're and we have the same mindset here which is which is fun to play with because i'm the same way i'll but that's it's a lot easier for me to push it too far than to slow it down mm-hmm. and when I th- when I think of like the inner the inner bitch idea, I think of like that guy who's laying on the couch, mm. and and that voice is just being like, yeah, I can lay on the couch, order order a pizza. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't go outside. It's raining outside. Yeah. And then the 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 side of you that is while you're in that moment that slows you down. There's that that ego one that wants to push you further. Yeah. To to achieve whatever it is. Yeah. But then there's the the almost the, the you could think of it as like the centered version yeah. of just yeah. being like, hey, now's not the day. Yeah. Back off of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad you pointed that out because and again, like you said, it's fun to play with because you know, sometimes sometimes maybe the peach on the couch is 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 okay but like first thought is like that's not that's that's okay if you've got you know if if the balance is more yeah. swung towards the rest of it it's and that doesn't become again we're just using this example I understand, I understand, yeah. like, like, but if it's two days in a row or whatever or you recognize and it's starting to be three or four days a week then you're going to be yeah. like oh, hold on a second okay <laughs> I gave that little bit, I gave that in a bitch, uh, you know, one piece of pizza. Who's and, in the uh, driver's seat now? <laughs> yeah, who's in the driver's seat? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And again, look, there's no right or wrong. And it's for everybody, it's going to be different and stuff like that. But, you know, when I think about it, it's, it's, you're more often than not, you know, through practice and making the mistake and of listening to one and listening to the other and then recognizing what happens. It's, it's, it's through those experiences that you begin to realize which one maybe you are and then or need to be more in tune with at that point in time. Because it's, yeah, exactly. Why can't we be all of them? Yeah. Why can't we be all of them? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to personify that inner bitch very often. Yeah. But why can't you be, if you think about it from a more broader perspective, why can't you be the one that charges up to the top of the hill and then cuddles your kids on the way back down? Yeah. You yeah. can be both. Okay. Yeah, sure. um, uh, I, and that, I, that persona, that big personification of the, you think of like the quick hit motivation stuff, like the, the David Goggins stuff. Yeah. David Goggins is obviously not a quick hit motivation guy he's doing stuff non-stop every day forever <laughs> but 
we can we can take that inspiration from that whatever but is that is that what's going to really be long lasting for us or is it going to be the the correct self-talk and the correct the way about the way of going about things as opposed to that that quick hit drag yourself through the mud constantly experiencing resistance constantly constantly in struggle that's not that's just that's just not long that's not longevity for us i often think of it um as a polarity you know like dave this is my personal opinion i'm not saying this is what it actually is but like people like david goggins they are very popular and um successful not like money successful but successful in reaching an audience and uh, engaging with people in the way that he does things and it's very likely that he actually is more motivating for the people on the other end of that spectrum because Mm -hmm. maybe they do need that little bit of push because, you know, he, he, he says himself in this example, he says himself that he was that person ordering pizza, ordering pizza and it took X number, you know, most people know his story and he's got great books and stuff like that, but it took him to reach that, that side to realize, hold on a second. No. And now he's gone the full other side and that's, you know, that's, that's a bit much for most people. But at the end of the day, he's in my opinion, anyway, he's just, he's showing people that you can, yeah. Stop yeah. ordering that pizza, get off the couch, and not everybody has to go and do the extreme things he's doing. But I do think it's important for people like him to to uh, be an example. And, and it, you know, a lot of people say it's it's a bit much, and sometimes it is a bit much. But, you know, like, like if, he, if, he, if he's, he's ser- the purpose that he's serving and the motivation that he's providing for people, people is, you know, you can't, you can't argue that. No. <laughs> Good grief. Not even close. No, it's it's and it's fascinating, and, and I love it because I, I know when I when I first read his book, um, you know, I, I being a checkie and you know doing the working in and always thinking that you know I, there was a point in my life where I thought the balance was the most important thing, and I think it's absolutely imperative to always have it in the forefront and the back of your mind because it's it's a real thing. Um, I had a little bit of judgment around him in that instance of of like. Oh, he's, he's showing people that everything has to be like guns blazing, you know, turn off the bitch all the time and stuff like that. And then I realized, and then I actually um, learned a little bit more about him and, and whatnot and realized that that's, that's actually not what he's about. You know what I mean? That's, there's, there's a lot more to him and to it than people see. And it's, yeah. it's, and that is then when I was able to relate and recognize, oh, hold on a second, like this dude's doing some, you, you can't, like we, I just said, you can't fault what he's doing. It's it's great no. because if it's just getting people off the couch one day a week, like that's that's huge in, in my opinion, yeah. like the, the reach he's got. I don't I don't remember the exact reason why I, I, I ran an ultra marathon about four years ago. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. five years ago. And I don't remember the exact reason why, but, Dave Goggins played a hell of a role in it. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I remember listening to that book while I was riding my bike home from night shifts and doing the 25 kilometer ride home instead of driving. So I could train on the side to run this race, but I'd never been in a running race before in my life. Not even a fundraising 10 K. Yeah. Signed up first thing that I could for a 50 mile mountain one. <laughs> <laughs> 
and, it, and and he i'm he definitely had a role in that that's for sure so you can't you can't fault the guy no and i mean maybe you can use yourself as an example here because it's a great example like there's um i don't know about you but you know there's the for whatever, like you said, for whatever reason it is that you chose to do that, there's the physical element about it. But more often than not, in situations like that, I can only imagine what you learn about yourself, you know, in, mm-hmm. in that situation. Yeah, no, I'm not discrediting the physical component to it. No doubt it would have been a serious challenge. But what were some things that, like, if, if at all, and I realised this four years ago, that stood out for you that, that um, you know, what opportunities did, that experience give you that weren't necessarily necessarily like a physically demanding um, uh, situation. Mm-hmm. I, one of the big reasons I signed up for that at the time was because I wanted to see how far I could be pushed mm. physically and, yep. and mentally. And if the weird thing about it was that I actually, it could just be because I trained really well for it. Mm-hmm. Or it could be just a an innate ability to be good in struggle, to thrive in struggle. But I found it really easy, to be honest. Yeah. It wasn't that I like I sprinted like a son of a bitch at the end. Yeah. And I was sore, like I could barely walk the next day. But mentally and physically, it wasn't really that hard. And what I after, and this is this is a, a definite positive but it may come off as a negative to some people listening was that what I, what I realized was that I did that whole thing to just as a way to avoid whatever else was going on Mm. in my life to hide a little bit. And I'll never, I, I was, that was during that shortly after that time when my, my wife had called me out, like we talked about at the beginning and this was turned was another way to, to avoid dealing a lot of stuff to actually, really embodying what was going on and i remember not that long after that race something happened and it was i don't even remember what it it was like something as insignificant as forgetting to take the garbage out or something totally useless yeah and i got so frustrated that i threw my phone against the wall like as hard as you possibly could and shattered shattered the phone yeah and then realizing all of a sudden of being like Oh, that didn't work <laughs> or whatever I was open for. Okay. Well, what, what was there? And then realizing that, yeah, I could, I could fully dedicate myself to this thing and be as into it as possible yep. just so that it would cover up mm. some things. It would let me kind of off offload into this, offload into this, offload into this. And then when that thing stopped, cause whatever onto the next challenge, that time in between there was nothing there to fill it and that's that that whole inability to cope thing that whole inability to feel thing came right back up again yeah for sure yeah it's um again i relate like it's (laughs) it's always it's it's funny when you look back on those kinds of things because for me as well it's that the avoidance thing you don't really recognize it when you're doing it it takes a little while and then a bit of hindsight you're like oh hold on a second i was uh i mean in your instance you were physically running but like i was running from yeah totally absolutely no 100 <laughs> i was i was i was running in every aspect <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's that's it's good insight i mean it's look i i 
I love hindsight. Like, and, and it's always, you, you can get caught in thinking, oh, if I knew this, then, then things would be different. But that's just, in my opinion, it's, it's not the case because you had to do that thing to yeah. then have the hindsight. So Absolutely. Hindsight because it's, it's, it's after the fact. It's, it's, it serves absolutely no value. And the value, the huge value that I see in it anyway, in the reflection um, is, yeah, when you step back and then all of a sudden, like, yeah, however long it was for you or, or anyone in that instance, it may have taken weeks or even months and you're like, oh, hold on a second. I was avoiding the shit out of this. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> go running for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. us- everything we do, it's always, there's always, there's a lesson in everything we do all the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you, I know you are, and lifted and lifted man also and so you know the victim mentality is is something that you are very familiar with um and it's 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 a topic that i regularly touch on and i just because i think that there's a lot of value added in it um so again you don't have to explain it too much but i'm curious uh as to how do you like to, you know, what I'll say quickly is, is from the outside looking in when we're, we have an understanding of it and an awareness, sometimes it's easier than others to realize when someone's playing a victim or we're even playing our own victims. But, um, you know, sometimes it's not easy. And I mean, sometimes it's not easy to see it in others, but more so in particular, sometimes it's not easy to see that we are actually in it. Do you, what, what are some suggestions you offer to people for, you know, to have that realization, not, not the hindsight because hindsight happens after yeah. <laughs> um, when, when it's, when it's happening. Yeah. A big one, just from the experience of, of going through the enlifted coaching process and getting the certifications and, and using it is starting to notice the the patterns that come up right though quite often it'll be in our language where we'll start to say like they they don't recognize me for this or they don't get it or mm. quite often when you're projecting things out onto somebody else that's really your your point when you're pointing the finger there's three pointing back at you right yeah. and that's what we see so often in, in my profession especially see a lot of victims a lot of guys that think that they're trying to help victims all the time but real in all reality they're being the victim and they're stuck in it we and things that we thrive in too Mm. right so we'll we'll identify as that victim and we'll protect it i like to think of this as my my kids are really into fantasy shows right now so they love harry potter and all of that and lord of the rings jane's starting to get into lord of the rings a little bit um and you think about like like Smeagol, Gollum with his ring and how much he protects that thing and how much he just like over anything else, he'll he'll do anything to protect that ring. Quite often we'll do anything to protect that, whatever that we identify being the victim to, mm. whether it's alcohol or some kind of an addiction or something like that. And we'll play the victim to that. And we don't even really know it. We just hold on to it so tight until it gets a, a light shone on it. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh shit, look at that. Mm. Life's a whole lot better when I'm not holding on to this thing. That's quite literally poisoning me. Or like yeah. if, you, if anybody that's, that's watched the Lord of the Rings, you remember how they portrayed Gollum before he got the ring. He was like this happy little Hobbit guy, super, super yeah. joyful, super happy. 
And then he gets into that and it just sucks everything out of him. The victim mentality is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Great explanation. And the thing, it's a really good example because it's like the thing is different for everybody. Um, Yeah. And it's beginning to have the awareness of whatever that thing is. And no doubt the thing uh, changes, you know, because once you become aware of the thing in one instance and you do the work to release it or whatever it ends up being, no doubt the thing pops up in um, maybe another slightly different shape, whether it's a ring or, yeah, alcohol and all that kind of stuff. And that's so often what comes up in that the whole enlifted coaching process is, is being able to work the stories that people have become addicted to that, that turn us into that victim in the first responder community. I can give examples of the, the more horrific calls that people have attended. So like the, the sudden deaths or the, the murder scenes or the, the next, those next of kin notifications, like we talked about those kind of things that haunt us, that, that we become, we've fallen a victim to that experience and being able to work through that, having the tools to work through that and to let that story go so that we're not a victim to it anymore, so that we can shine a light on it, get a little bit of space and clarity to change our attachment to it. Start to think about how that thing happened for us instead of to us. Mm. Yeah. That's how we get out of that mentality. Yeah, I like it. What, what, to put a, another slightly different perspective on it, what, what, what do you believe is the opposite of the victim mentality? Ooh. I knew you'd get me with the question. <laughs> having listened, having listened to the shows, the opposite of the victim mentality. Right away, my mind goes to that, that painting that picture of what, <laughs> of Gollum before he, before and after, right? Visually, that's what that looks like. Yeah. Um, and when we, when we live that way, what does that look like? I think it's similar to what we talked about, about being, being that embodied person, right? Mm. Being able to, like, how I am not in any way a victim to what happened, say, to, to Maddie, my youngest, when she was in the hospital for months and almost died and almost lost her relationship because of it. And every, the whole, every card in the deck stacked against us or me during that. I'm not a victim to that. That changed me. That brought me to an entirely different level of life. But I could sit back and be like, Oh, this happened to me. Oh, this was awful. They didn't help me out through this. I could sit there and live the life like that. Or you can, you can shift that perspective from somebody that looks at life on on how it benefits them instead of how it drags them down. Good answer. <laughs> I, I I fully agree. It's 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 almost a yeah. I think that's what you just said. Like it's it's a, it's a state of being, isn't it? It's 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 um yeah. It's, it's instead of looking for an excuse it's it's realizing that there's an opportunity and um it's not easy but um well yeah it's truly truly valuable and having that uh recognition isn't it because it changes like it changes well changes everything in my personal opinion like if you're able to see the 
opportunity in everything. And don't get me wrong, I don't mean that I see the opportunity in everything as it's happening, you know. Like, you know how, how could you? Exactly, how could you? But I, I suppose if, if I truly do believe that there is an opportunity in everything and, um, you know, whether I'm ready and willing and able to see that opportunity in that moment or if it takes a week or an hour or whatever it ends up being to recognize it, just being able to have that awareness for me anyway has been invaluable. Like yeah. it's, it, it often feels like a feels like superpower to be honest with you because <laughs> um, yeah, we're not stuck in it. And again, I, and I use it, I say that because um, I still get stuck on, stuck on that victim wheel sometimes. And um, I do look back and recognize that I was heavily on it many years ago and, and it, the golem example is perfect you know like we yeah. might we might think it's where we want to be when we got the when we got the ring um and we're blinded for a number of reasons but it's it's not it's not what we want it's not what we need long term as, as much as there might be some short-term glorification in it or whatever it ends up being it's it's a serious struggle if we stay in that state isn't it yeah uh, and it's not nobody's gonna live their life in a way that is always riding riding the high yeah it's 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 just not gonna happen yeah but we can it's it's not it's not it's not the not the resistance to that to that dip it's our ability to get back up off of it again right and there's a a group called the conscious leadership group fantastic if anybody looks that up well worth the read but they teach a principle in there called being above and below the line. Yep. Above the line being like life is happening for me. And then below the line being like life is happening to me. Yep. And below the line being that in that victimy, just woe is me space. Yep. And it's, it's, and I teach this all the time to guys that it's not, it's not being below the line. It's the fact that you notice that you're below the line and then having the ability to get yourself back up above the line again. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And that just the fact that you can accept that, yeah, there's gonna I'm gonna be miserable at some point. Mm. But how how long do you stand there for? How long do you suck? Yeah. Because you don't have to. There's always a choice in there. What was the book called? Sorry. Uh don't worry. It's, it's by the Conscious Leadership Group. Yeah, okay. and I, it's a, the 12, 12 commitments of conscious leadership. Something I, okay. you'll see it right away. Great yeah, book. I, I really check great. It. Look, I've I've learned that not that terminology, but that way of thinking, um, and I, I like how again I love simple things, and I like how simple it is that you just. Um, explained it above and beyond one. And I really like the fact that you pointed out that <laughs> there's no point in being delusional and thinking that you can and always live above the line. It's, oh. just, it's just, it's equally as important trying to do your best to live above the line as it is just to recognize when you're below it and being okay and be like, you know what, fuck whatever. Like today, yeah. feel this hour, this is, this is, this is a below the line, below the line moment 
you know, at least I'm aware of it because you can't do anything until you're aware of it. And then when you become aware of it, more often than not, um, through practices that we've been talking about and, pe and people's own practices, simply just having the awareness of it, it it's generally a catalyst to do something with it. It's, you know, exactly. It gives you a choice. It gives you a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, you get to do something with it. Maybe sometimes we're not, you know, again, uh, ready or willing or, or able to do something, but at the very least, you're like, okay, sweet. Now I'm below the line. Now what? Now what choice yeah. said do I want to make? Yeah. How do I get back to that good spot again? Yeah. And this comes into play in in all aspects of our life, especially like relationship. You're there's always going to be some kind of tension that comes up somewhere in your relationship, and whether that's just that you're feeling disconnected or maybe you both were short with each other or something like that. But being able to realize afterwards of like, Oh, that was a below the line response to that. Mm. And just being able to be like, Hey, sorry. I, I, I didn't really think about how you'd feel about this. Yeah. That, yeah it's, that it's was my bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I like you pointed, how you pointed it out. Cause it's, it's, it's having the courage to admit that you the comment was or whatever below the line, you know, because yeah. too often we just, we say it, we can say it. And then, you know, even though we know what we said wasn't, was below the line, we just don't have that courage for whatever reason at that point in time to then go back and say, Oh, sorry, you know, that didn't need to be said. I didn't mean it that way. And um, again, speaking from experience, there's a lot of power and just owning up to being wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, is there know, ever? It didn't need to be said um again it's a it's a it's a practice it's an ongoing yeah. it's an ongoing and in practice. in in a healthy especially from that relationship standpoint in a healthy relationship the other person can be like yeah i was sorry that was i didn't need to i didn't need to respond like that yeah. and the other person will see it and acknowledge it and yeah it's okay yeah yeah and yeah, having the ability to acknowledge it is equally as courageous on the when you're on the your or the other person is on the other end of the conversation um, yeah, absolutely. making it something that doesn't need to be um we often play it small in life in fear of xyz fear serves its purpose but left to its own device it can become debilitating uh how do you suggest people identify the fear that no longer serves them automatically i want to say you, you feel into that feel the sensation of the fear mm, yep take a breath yep and take a full good breath we're experts at, at at just keeping our breath shallow just enough on the surface to not really feel anything mm. we open it up especially with a feeling like fear and fear is somebody really important to me mentor that I had for a long time said something to me that was has stuck with me ever since. And it's that fear is excitement without breath. Yeah. Nice. And it's what like you can think of it from a multitude of perspectives of you're fearful of that, whatever performance you have to do, if that's a test or uh, some kind of a, a physical thing or it's a conversation 
are you really fearful of that or are you excited about the result of that? Mm. And being able to play with that is, is, is pretty magical. Yeah. I've not heard that before. Um, and thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> the instances where there is f- fear, it's very, uh, likely that I am not conscious and present with my breath and purely being able to do that then changes the thing that I was scared of. And then exactly what you just said, the excitement, uh, it shifts because it's like, the, the, the again, the, the fear that I'm, the, th- the, f- the thing that I could be fearful of, I by breathing with it and feeling it, which is what you've just said, and, and more often than not, you're able to reframe it and shift it, and then all of a sudden you're excited about it in a totally different way when in actual fact it was just these thoughts about whatever it was that you had that you were scared of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how, how easy is that to, or not easy, but it's easy to say, but, uh, <laughs> until I try it for myself, <laughs> it's going to be, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one to play with. Do you, um, uh, do you, when those things pop up for you and you, you use those things, those tools and techniques that, that you've mentioned, um, do you find that? Um, do you find that it's more, that it's easier to coach other people through those things than, than coaching yourself, like, um, and using those practices or or through practice, has it just become easier? It's an interesting question. I think from... personal perspective it's easier because one they've just become inherent into my life now where if i if i'm if something does come up or i do get that fear response quickly i'll 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 catch myself switch my breathing Mm, yeah okay yeah and be like oh there it is okay i'm in that spot which is magic it's it's amazing that we can we can create that response in ourselves through repetition yeah um but getting that rapid getting that inherent response is really difficult where i find that the easy parts of of coaching is those it's so easy to to get an aha moment or to get a uh, like oh shit yeah that makes a lot of sense what's difficult is making sure the the uh the tools and the practices and everything keep going because yeah. it's really easy. We're, we're really good at just staying complacent and just being satisfied with that one, one spot that we're in to yeah. be able to, to keep the challenge up, to be able to keep, keep realizing that there is a, a, another plateau we can get to. That's the tough part I find. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And I suppose that's the value of, uh, that's the value of, um, having a coach um being involved in you know 
men's group work and uh you know and just even just having relationships with other people yeah. um is sort of touching on that and practicing with other people because you know it, it, for, for me anyway very much comes down to that um have, being able to have that deep connection with someone else so that we can be vulnerable and do all the things that we're talking about doing now yeah. um, and the idea that i still to this day i struggle with the idea of this that word coach right and it's yeah no, no, yeah, yeah what the, that's kind of a weird thing but yeah. then when you really break it down to like if i i have coaches i have a multitude of different coaches but if you want to be good at something if you're a if you want to be the best surfer in the world are you going to fully be able to do that on your own some people can some people if they're especially if they're just going to start they're going to want to coach yeah if you want to be the best mechanic in the world you're going to get some a mentor of some kind a teacher if you want to improve the fact that you come home and you feel like shit every time you walk through the door you're going to fix that on your own Mm. or do you want some guidance in that right there's there's different ways to look at coaching and i think the the whole life coach moniker has been just buried on social media in my mind like it's yeah to to put it completely bluntly it's it's hard to watch a lot of it it make it makes me never want to go on again quite often yeah i i feel the same I mean, it's it's not easy and i suppose we we, we we're, we're talking about beliefs and all that kind of stuff we, we have our belief in, about that for for what we would say to be a good reason because you know i, I suppose like anything though coaching is becoming more popular now probably through the things like social media because you can get coaching from someone across the other side of the world whereas once upon a time you couldn't really even when you could it was via email and things like that which weren't really as effective as what's on offer now so there's the good and the bad in the sense that you can get say coaching from australia to canada to someone like yourself and get some coaching like that and get a lot out of it um and then it just happens to be that there's also because there is so much opportunity there's just more coaches which means there's more potential for maybe coaches that don't have the experience or aren't necessarily going to be oh yeah it's easy it's easy to make yourself look like paul check online yeah (laughs) right yeah but it's hard to be able to back that up to that level absolutely and that's that's a lot of what gets lost the beauty what you and what especially what you just mentioned there about the connection side of things is what this has created and that's i i believe is one of the could very well be the only upside of the world pandemic that we went through and shutting everything down and won't go into the the details of all the things that could have been done differently in that whole situation but what it's done is make people really comfortable with zoom and talking like this yeah true and and opening up that that be like okay yeah i could try that mm-hmm. and and being able to be open to connection with people that aren't whatever you're not going to see every day like some of my closest closest people in my life i'd i've only seen once in person yeah like i can think of back to one of those those first men's groups i talked about shout out to michael because i'll give him this link and he'll listen and he's on maui i've only met him once for a few days in california but we yeah. check in with each other all the time that guy's he's 
without a doubt one of my best friends in the world i love that guy nice and he's he's not a first responder or he's not uh he's not in the same line of work as me but i can talk to him on a level that i can't talk to a lot of other guys because we haven't established that kind of relationship before and that just being able to to communicate on this kind of a in in this kind of a way is huge and something that the people before us never never had yeah it's i always find it really fascinating because like yeah agree with everything you said and it's never has there been a really has there been a time in history where this opportunity has been available where people from different cultures and things like that have been able to interact with one another you know, sitting from their lounge room or what, yeah. whatever it ends up being. Like I said, in my eyes, um, you know, I, I love talking about this and, and it's so interesting to see. It's just fascinating to think where this takes us, that what I just said then, and, and then you combine that with artificial intelligence and all that kind of stuff, like uh, the, the possibilities, like it's just, yeah, you can easily, again, you can get caught in thinking, get caught in the maybe get caught in the victim mentality and thinking that eventually artificial intelligence is going to take over everything. And maybe it does, or you can also, you know, um, see it as the opportunity that it is in my opinion. And, um, therefore the opportunities are endless, you know, like you said, yeah. with the c- coaching and stuff like that, my opinion is, you know, the cream rises to the top. You might be able to market yourself like Paul check, but unless you are Paul check and you're not, um, you're not um, coming through with no one's poor check when unless you're not coming through with the goods um and just because you've got good marketing i mean it just you know you eventually for whatever reason that person will realize that it's, maybe it's just not their jam and it's yeah, yeah. to them what whatever it, it is what it exactly. is um but you know we're, we're the infant in we're in the infancy of this sort of development space so no doubt in the next five and definitely 10 years you, i can't even imagine what what it's going to look like it's just i don't even know yeah how do we how that's the important part there like it comes with what you were just describing with you can have all the marketing and all that kind of stuff it's it's really easy in this time now to be able to put on that false front to to not be in integrity all the time yeah to not to not be your your fully present self with everybody um and how do we how do we still embrace that side with everything moving forward is a unique question yeah, I like to. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. It's slightly off on tangent, but why not? Um, it's, 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 you know, everyone's got their own opinion. Not everyone's got their own opinion, but you know, we all have opinions of consciousness. We all, most people, agree that. I mean, my opinion is my take on consciousness is that is that it's impossible for artificial artificial intelligence to have the same consciousness as a human. That doesn't mean that. They can't have their own equivalent or that they serve a purpose mm. and that, um, you know, that it certainly doesn't mean that they can't be quote unquote smarter than us in knowledgeable areas, you know, make better art, write better books, um, produce better products, etc., etc. However, at this point in time anyway, and maybe this changes in a thousand years or, or more, their ability to relate to humans is not there mainly because they're just not human you know they can 
they can they can tell us how we could be feeling if our blood pressure is this and we've eaten this and we haven't exercised in this many days and they can recognize stress in our cortisol levels and all that kind of stuff but the they can tell us all these things and it's like wearing a whoop strap and it's like doing all these kinds of things. And they all serve a purpose. I'm not discrediting them in any way at all these biomarkers, but at the end of the day, when it starts to get down to the nitty gritty, that's where I see such huge benefit in, you know, again, coaching and mentoring and leadership and things like that is, is, is because I see it anyway as, the two things working simultaneous together, you know what I mean? To, to achieve an outcome. And that outcome is to, you know, improve the quality of our lives and, you know, and enjoy the short, very short time we have here. Man, I want to go on so many different tangents after hearing you say that. <laughs> the, the What comes to mind immediately, uh, the difference between that that AI connection or that human connection can that AI connection experience the below the line parts of yeah. the human experience or the resistance to do something yep. associated to that human experience? Mm. And maybe that's where the, the space in between is. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I go on for that for hours. That's, a, that's an amazing uh, topic to go on. I just like it because um, my personal opinion is, is is no one has the answer. Anybody that tells you that yeah. they know how it's going to happen, I mean, I just wouldn't listen to that person. That's my own belief. You know, that's just, you know, someone might guess exactly what it's meant to happen, but there's however many billions of people on earth and the likelihood of guessing at how it's meant, meant to happen, given that no one before us has predicted exactly how things are going to happen, just just means that it's it's very unlikely. However... Once upon a time, you know, discussing these things, I would have been like anxious in not knowing, not having the control and the ability to know what something's going to be. Whereas now I'm very much, I'm fascinated and, you know, there's so much joy in in having a conversation where I believe there is actually no right answer. (laughs) I'm okay with that, you know, like I have my own opinions and no doubt it. If we had the same conversation, you ask me the same question. I ask myself the same question in twelve months. I probably my p- opinion would probably slightly have changed. And I'm like that's that's kind of the, f- the fun part of the storytelling that humans have been able to um, distinguish ourselves between other animals. Yeah. If we knew the answer all the time, what would be the point? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> like, there's no. It just takes away everything from it, and and that goes back into to everything any of those challenges we talked about like if you can get up to the other side of that that mountain or whatever it might be if you can get through that challenge that's in front of you in your life right now if you already knew the answer to it if it was a no then you're not gonna try (laughs) and if it's a yes you're just gonna be like okay i'll get there yeah and it's it's interesting because you know when you have when you it's not as fun when you get an answer like there's 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 aha moments that contribute to your way of being but the the actual fun part for me at this point in time anyway is is uh is is not knowing the answer um which has not always been the case 
yeah. because you know for, for whatever reason but um the joy is in just exploring whatever uh potential answers there are because there's millions of them for for any yeah. really when you start to dive dive a little deeper well and that's what i would encourage anyone to to become interested in something that you don't you don't know the answer to whether that's a challenge a physical challenge or a like you with starting the podcast you, i'm gonna i'm going to assume you didn't know exactly where that would lead you no yeah absolutely. and i would i don't have to assume to know that you've gotten a ton out of it yeah at the same time right so try set your sights on something that you don't know whether it's achievable or whether it's a good thing or just to experience it yeah yeah and i think i've heard you talk about this or it's like it's that it's that breaking the barrier isn't it yeah it's not easy um but it's like what i've noticed anyway is is once you do it once you're like oh that wasn't anywhere near as hard as i thought it was going to be and then it's like like all right well what's what's this barrier over here all right let's let's get that one you know um let's see what happens when i go through that and sometimes it doesn't work out how you planned it to work but shit at least you at least you tried (laughs) yeah totally yeah absolutely that's what it's that's what it's all about Mm, yeah i fully agree Carl. um it's been a great chat right i uh that was was fun i always know they're uh they're fun when um well i'm fully present with the conversation time flies and and my brain's just like expanded and i'm just like whoa that was (laughs) (laughs) that was fun so i I, again i appreciate your time man your energy it's it's been good um yeah i reckon we look to do it again another time um so yeah again thank you for everything that um that you've offered us today is there anything that you wanted to uh point out before we start to wrap it up no no i'm uh anybody that's interested in connecting uh i have a website kylestubs.ca if you want to find me on there i'm on instagram and all those kind of things but i'd be lying if i said i really enjoyed being on those that much so i don't (laughs) i'm kind of there but i'm not really there my website's where i i I put the most time and effort into so um and i'm i'm stewing on this new this new philosophy and that uh i would love to talk about with anybody that that is interested or wants to wants to rap about it with me uh is in the the policing world we have we we have use of force options and use of force options being things like your your taser and your firearm and your um pepper spray and all these kind of things and i'm i'm playing around with the mentality of use of language mm being being that next that next step as in my profession where we progress from yeah and how how we can use our language to 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 de-escalate things and to alter things and to and to have a focus on that primarily so anybody that that interests or i'd love to hear from you and chat about it yeah that's beautiful man i i honor that that's um yeah that's powerful stuff it's it takes a lot of courage and in doing that especially when um the norm is so strong uh 
the the other way so yeah hey man i get it there's a there's a lot of asshole cops out there yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but look man it's, it's it's people like yourselves that are willing and courageous enough to start these new ways of thinking that shift that force you know like unless unless someone's gonna break the barrier and yeah. and and start something you know like it will just stay the same way you know change requires change at the end of the day so kudos to you brother um last final question what does the present moment mean to you it means you have the opportunity to make a choice nice yeah so true isn't it you know in every moment even when we forget it the opportunity to have a choice well done mate i'll give you passing a A plus for that (laughs) thanks brother (laughs) (laughs) all right man i'll I'll link everything in the show and whatnot again thanks for your time hey thank you brother thanks for listening please subscribe wherever your ears choose to listen and leave a review if this podcast has helped broaden that horizon i'd love to hear from you and what you got out of this episode stay weird be yourself and above all remember to step over the ants